welcome to episode 117 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. On today's episode, I'm taking you with me to the Grand Canyon. I'm going to walk you through my rim-to-rim adventure. Last Wednesday, I went from one side of the Grand Canyon to the other in one day. I'm going to tell you all about how I trained for it, what happened on the trip, advice if this is something you're interested in doing. Let's go. Grand Canyon, rim to rim in one day. North rim of the Grand Canyon to the south rim of the Grand Canyon in one very long, magical, painful, glorious day. 23.6 miles is the official length of the trails that I used. We ended up hiking 24 and a quarter miles. And you may be thinking like, why would anyone do that? Or you may have heard it and immediately thought like, hmm, sign me up. There were times on the trail that I actually was like, what the heck, why am I doing this? But leading up to the hike, I was definitely one of those people. The second I heard that this was a thing, I was like, yeah, I want to do that. I've always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon since I was a little kid and watched the Brady Bunch. Do you remember that episode? It was the two-part episode. Those are always the best Brady Bunch episodes. If it was a two-parter, you knew it was good. The vacation episodes. I loved that episode. I, ever since I saw Bobby and Sydney get lost in that canyon, I wanted to visit the Grand Canyon. And this is the first time I was ever there. I've traveled all over this country and I have never made it to the Grand Canyon until now. And what a way to see it. I did not just see it from the top. We went from one side all the way down to the bottom, across the canyon and back up the other side. Last year, my friend Whitney did this with a bunch of her friends. She lives in, she lives cross country and a bunch of her local friends did this and she kind of joined in last minute. And when she was telling us about it, I immediately thought like, I want to do that. I want to do that. And so earlier this summer, I was at a church picnic and one of my friends, uh, I was telling her about my plans to hike in Utah this summer. And she told me that this fall, her and her sister were going to do this rim to rim Grand Canyon hike. And my ears immediately perked up since Whitney had just told me about this the fall before. And I said, hey, look, I know this is kind of bold, but if you guys don't mind, I'd really like to come with you. So would you mind like asking your sister, is this going to be a sister's only thing? Or are we opening it to other people? So they talked and they're like, yeah, like the more the merrier. So we ended up with a crew of six of us going to do this hike. And if you're like, I just don't get it. Why would you want to do that? I have always enjoyed, well, that's not true, not always. In the last decade or so, I have enjoyed picking like a physical feat and working really hard to reach it. So whether we're talking powerlifting, you know, squat, bench, deadlift, how much can I lift? I really enjoyed doing that. I really enjoyed deciding like, you know what, like I want to get my first push up years ago and working towards that, or I want to get my first chin up, or I want to get to eight chin ups and then really like plotting the course and the day-to-day training for that. I find it really motivating. Same thing last year. If you saw my pistol squat video, I thought it was really cool to do a pistol squat. It was during lockdown. And I'm like, what, what can put something fun I can work on? And I set about to do my first pistol squat and did a bunch. And I, I like that kind of physical challenge. I enjoy it. I've always liked camping. I've always liked hiking and I've done it here and there over the years, but I just was never with a group of people who were like, this was their thing, or I would have done it more in recent years. I've been excited to do more of that and have been acting actively seeking out opportunities to do it and experienced friends 
to do it with. So how did I train? I started training a bit over three months out. I read up a lot on what it takes to do this kind of a hike, what the physical demands are, what kind of shape you need to be in. And I didn't want to do something that I was not prepared for, especially after having been so sick with COVID pneumonia last year. So in April of this year, I went to walk the park that I walk around all the time. I've walked this park since I was a little kid. My parents used to walk it literally every single day. There's a five mile trail around Valley Forge National Park. It's right by my house. And my mom came to visit and my almost 80 year old stepfather, and we decided to walk the park. It was going to be my first time doing anything like that since being sick. And I was feeling pretty good that day and <laughs> it whipped my butt. I, uh, I had to keep taking a break not because they needed to, you know, a woman who's 70 and a man who's almost 80, but because I needed to, I couldn't make it five miles without breaks. That was hard. And so when in June, when I started contemplating doing this hike, that was only, you know, two months past me struggling to get around five miles. So I really gave it a lot of thought about whether I was even ready to start training for this hike. I wanted to have a realistic view of my current fitness level, not the one that I had prior to being ill. And somewhere in my investigation of how to prep for a rim term hike, I came across this experienced hiker who had this test to see if you were even fit enough to begin a dedicated training plan for rim to rim. And so if you're wondering, like, am I up for this? Give this a try. Get a low step, like a 15 to 18 inch box or step and do step ups. See how many you can do in 30 minutes. Now, if you can do 400 step-ups in 30 minutes, you're ready to begin training. Okay, you're not ready for the hike. You're ready to begin a, a three-month training plan for the hike. This is all just one man's opinion. This is just some guy I found. He's, I don't remember who it was. I couldn't, couldn't find it again. Somebody who's an you know, experienced hiker was giving his opinion on what it takes to train to do the Grand Canyon rim to rim. I thought it was a good baseline test. I ended up doing 400 steps in 22.6 minutes. I could have pushed harder, but I just wanted to make sure I could clear that 430 minutes mark. And I handily did that. Okay, so now I was ready to begin training. What did I actually do to train? There were three main pieces of my training. The first and most important, I hiked. Ta-da! <laughs> You know, specificity is important. We began with 10 mile hikes and increased with progressively either longer hikes or hikes with more elevation, which we had to seek out. We have lots of nice rolling hills here in Pennsylvania, but as much as we like to say we have mountains, we don't have mountains, anything like what you find in the West. Um, certainly nothing comparable to going down into the Grand Canyon and back out again. But weekly long hikes of a minimum of 10 miles was the plan. There were a few wrenches in that plan that I'll tell you about a bit later. So part one of training, hikes, long hikes, lots of them. Part two, strength training. It's important to be strong. You've got to have strong legs to do something like this. I did a three times per week split. It was a lower body, upper body, full body split. The focus for lower body, both on the lower body day and the full body day, was on lots of unilateral work. So lunges, all different varieties of lunges, lateral lunges, reverse lunges, reverse lunges from a deficit, uh, walking lunges, 
did a lot of Bulgarian split squats. Ugh, hate those. Step up varieties, different varieties of step ups, single leg hip thrusts, single leg RDLs. Also a lot of weighted carries for obvious reasons. My hike would be one long weighted carry. So that was piece two of my training program, strength training. And then part three were stadiums. The idea here was to improve my ability to ascend and descend and to improve my cardio fitness, just my base cardio level, which was kind of in the toilet. It's never been my strong suit. I'm definitely more of a strength gal. Um, I had started a running program last fall. I decided I was going to learn to, to see if I could learn to run in a way that I could enjoy. I was three weeks in when I got really sick and I'm getting back to that actually next week. It's going to be week one of my 12 week, week um, learn to like running training program. So when I did these stadiums, I wore my backpack, weighted, so my full water bladder and lots of other stuff thrown in there. And then I would ruck the bleachers, not run them. Rucking means walking with a heavy pack. So I would walk fast up and down, up and down the bleachers at the local high school, not running. I started with 30 minutes, one time per week, which was really hard for me, frankly. And I worked my way up to 60 minutes, one time per week with the pack. The plan was to get to 90 minutes and then go back down again. But again, I had some hiccups in August and early September that I'll tell you about a bit later. So that was my training. Let's talk a little bit about the logistics of this hike. So we had a hiking squad of six, including a doctor and a physician's assistant. I highly recommend bringing your own medical team if you're going to do this hike. Now, I realize that's not, a, that's, not, that's not realistic for most people, but it was pretty cool we had that we actually ended up needing them. We all flew into Las Vegas and then rented a van and drove the four-ish hours to stay overnight at the North Rim. Now, we did bring with us people to drive our vehicle from the North Rim to the South Rim. There are shuttles available. I think they're running now. They were not running during COVID. I actually wasn't paying attention to it because three of our husbands came with us to be our like driving crew. So we drove down from Las Vegas. It was about a four-hour ride the day before the hike we stayed overnight at the North Rim. There are three options for accommodations there at the North Rim. There's the Jacob Lake Inn, which is about 45 minutes um, away from the North Rim. There's the Grand Canyon Lodge, which is literally at the North Rim. And then in the middle of those two is the Kaibab Lodge, which is, you know, it's right there in between them. So somewhere less than 45 minutes and more than right at the, at the rim. Get reservations early for accommodations at the North Rim. We made ours in like early July and we actually snagged the very last rooms available. We couldn't even get the number of rooms we wanted to. We had to double up um, in the rooms more than we had planned on because there were no rooms left. I love the Jacob Lake Inn. It was super quaint, has everything you need. It was out in the middle of nowhere, like everything is there. And it was gas station slash hotel slash restaurant slash gift shop slash bakery slash convenience store. <laughs> and it had a really fun vibe because so many people there are setting off on exciting adventures. And I'm sure it's the same with the other two lodges that are there because it's just, it's a place where people go to do exciting things. So I really enjoyed our night before, went out to dinner there, went to the gift shop. It was, it was a lot of fun. We started early. We left well, the plan was to leave the inn at 4 a.m. for a 5 a.m. start time. We left a little bit late, just people getting ready. Um, we didn't get on that trail till 5.15 a.m. There were bathroom stops and photos of the group and rearranging of equipment. So 5.15 was our start. We had originally picked five. We took the North Kaibab Trail to Bright Angel. Going north to south 
is the preferred way to hike it because you have less elevation climbing out, which let me tell you, you will appreciate ever so much trying to climb out of that hole late in the day. The North Rim sits at 8,241 feet and the lowest point of the canyon at Bright Angel Campground is at 2,480 feet. So that's 5,761 feet down from the North Rim down to the bottom, okay? Now the South Rim sits at 6,860 feet compared to that North Rim of 8,241 feet. So when you climb out on the South Rim, it's just <laughs> 4,380 feet climb out. So it's 1,381 feet less than if you climbed out on the North Rim, if you went south to north, okay? So we went North Kaibab Trail to Bright Angel Trail. There is also the possibility of going North Kaibab Trail to South Kaibab Trail, but the South Kaibab Trail is steeper, okay? Doesn't, it's not higher, but it's steeper, and it doesn't have any water availability, so it is not recommended. Once you make it over to the South Rim, there are plenty of options for accommodations. We had like zero problem getting a place to stay there. We stayed at the Grand Canyon Lodge, which was fine. I think it would be cool to stay right there in the park at the South Rim. While the views are incredible, I had no idea actually that there was a hotel right there, but there is. There's all these little cabins. There's a big hotel, like literally in the parking lot of the South Rim. It's obviously super convenient. I'm going to guess it's pricey. We didn't check into it, and I wish I had. Now. Um, the trails that we take, that you take, this, uh, the North Kaibab and the, the Bright Angel Trail, there are bathrooms and water availability, like spouts, like you can just pop your water bladder under it and get fresh water. There are three on the way down from the North Rim down to Phantom Ranch. Um, and then there are four more on the way up Bright Angel Trail. I will say those felt way further apart than they supposedly were <laughs> when it said on the map. We just thought we were never, ever going to get after we left um, the, what it's called, the River Rest House, and it was supposed to be 3.2 miles to the next rest stop at Indian Garden Campground. That was so long. We thought we'd actually missed it somehow, and the, the trail is really easy to stay on. You're not going to get lost on this trail. Like, it's, I can't imagine getting lost on this trail unless we're talking about coming out of a campground somewhere. There's nowhere else to go. You're just on the trail. So it made no sense that we had missed it. But 3.2 miles, we were like, we must be at least four miles, maybe four and a half miles before we actually got to Indian Garden. We decided there must be special canyon miles. It just felt so long. Um, there are bathrooms again at one and a half mile rest house and three mile rest house. The bathrooms at one and a half mile rest house are way up a hill with a bunch of steps in the opposite direction of the climb up the canyon. And by that point I was like, no, thank you. I did not, I did not appreciate that. Now, if you're not familiar with Phantom Ranch, I've mentioned that a couple of times now. Phantom Ranch is a ranch at the very bottom of the canyon. Um, there's several campgrounds. You can camp at Indian Garden. You can camp at um, Bright Angel Campground. There's one, oh gosh, I forget what the other one's called. On the way down the North Rim, the last place you can stop before you get to, um, oh, it's called Cottonwood Canyon. That's what it is, Cottonwood Canyon Campground. So there's all these different campgrounds and there's Phantom Ranch. You need to get permits for any kind of camping. For what I did, just coming in and going out on the same day, if you're coming in and leaving on the same day, you don't need a permit of any kind. For any of that camping stuff, you need a reservation, you need a permit. It's all very hard to get. It's lottery based. So you've got to get out ahead of that gosh, over a year, if not more, 
to be able to do that. I think it would be really cool to come in and stay at any of those places, whether you're camping or whether you're in like the little cabins down at Phantom Ranch, there's cabins down there. But if you're just hiking in and leaving again, Phantom Ranch, you don't eat inside right now during COVID. That there's just window service, that there wasn't a lot of places in the shade to sit. I think it would have been nice to have been inside the building. As it was, we all just made do. There was a ton of hikers down there. Um, there's a ton of hikers everywhere on that trail. It's not like it was crowded like a mall, but it was crowded more so than where I usually hike here in Pennsylvania. We can go all day and see four or five people like in eight or nine or 10 hours there. There were just people passing you every which way. It was fun to meet a lot of people from all literally all over. So down at Phantom Ranch, you can buy food, you can buy snacks, you can actually order ahead a lunch. Um, they've got all kinds of things down there at Phantom Ranch. So I thought that was a really fun place. Okay, so my gear and food, what did I bring? So I obviously had a backpack. I used the Osprey Cirrus 24 and then my water bladder. I had a three liter water bladder, uh, the Osprey hydraulics water bladder. I had never used a water bladder much before last year. And I, <laughs> I gotta tell you, it was a learning curve. I kept spilling that thing, trying to load it and I finally feel really confident like how to, to refill it and all those things without making a mess. Uh, I had lucky trekking poles and yes, trekking poles. Some people are like, why would you even need those poles coming down? It's really helpful. It takes a lot of stress off of your knees. It's like having four legs instead of two. And so it takes a lot of the stress off the front of your knees. Um, and it can help with balance. When I hike here in Pennsylvania, the trails are just strewn with boulders. It's just like climbing over boulders. And the going would be much slower if I didn't have the poles to help me make it through, like keep my balance. So yes to trekking poles. For my shoes, I have Solomon Supercross Trail Runners. I really like those shoes. They're very comfortable. Uh, we didn't get any blisters. I didn't get a single blister on that whole trek. I used darn tough socks. I had like the half crew. I would not wear super short socks. There is surprisingly a lot of sand on this trail in the Grand Canyon. I knew there was some, I had heard that in videos. I didn't realize how much sand there was gonna be. There were multiple spots, especially on the climb out, there were some really long spots with sand and there were some other spots along the way that were sand like, and when I'm saying sand, I mean like it feels like you're walking on the beach. So wearing really short socks, um, especially if you're not gonna wear some kind of gaiter or something over there, you're gonna get sand in your shoe and that is a recipe for disaster. So wear taller socks. Like I said, I just had like half crews. So those were my most important pieces of gear. I also had a kick butt playlist and my AirPods, which was so, so, so important those last miles when I was really struggling. I had the songs that make me happiest playing and I needed that. So make yourself a really good trail playlist. Food, I did Cliff Bars, pretzels, gummy bears, trail mix. Those were my trail foods. I ate a little bit each, each hour along with liquid IV for electrolytes. You definitely want salty food and some kind of electrolyte solution. We actually had really mild weather. It was a perfect day there. So we were not dealing with the extreme heat and it was still a really hard hike without dealing with the extreme heat. I don't, I can't even imagine it for, for many people. When you do this, it's rare to have a day as lovely as I had to so make sure you are fueling yourself appropriately and hydrating yourself appropriately. Plenty of carbs. Um, like I said, you can order lunch ahead at Phantom Ranch. I decided to just stick to the stuff I'd been eating on my weekly long hikes. I just felt better about that. I knew how it would sit in my stomach. Um, I had a tuna pouch. I brought a bagel. 
Uh, beef jerky, Chef's Cut is my go-to brand for beef jerky. It is so stinking tender. I love that stuff. Um, so I had all of those things in addition to the snacks I told you that I ate on the trail. I did buy a pack of Oreos at Phantom Ranch. They sell candy and Oreos because, um, wow, chocolate just sounded really good in that moment. And of course, I got a cup of their famous lemonade, which was just as delicious as everyone says it is. And I do think it actually is tasty. I was wondering if it was like, maybe it's not that tasty. It's just so hot and you're so thirsty. But I really do think it was, I really do think it was tasty. So that was the food and drink portion. So how did the hike go? The first part of the day was, it was magical. At the changing scenery, breathtaking views. So at the top, there's pine trees. And as you go, you end up in this more desert ecosystem. So there's cacti and they're blooming. There are these crazy plants. We actually looked them up later. They're called Utah agave plants. They look like something out of Dr. Seuss books. The fact that we were somewhere that most people in the world will never see was really cool to me. The stats are something like less than 1% of visitors go actually into the canyon and even less go all the way down to the Colorado River. And so it was cool to be somewhere that no one else, most people don't get to go. The vastness of it all was just incredible. I could sense it um, as we were coming into the canyon. So we hiked in in the dark and it was beautiful. The, the sky was so black. It's just really different than being where I live in suburbia. Like the dark is really dark and the stars then can be really bright. And the moon is so shiny and we could see across the canyon and we could see the other side of the canyon in shadow um, a little bit after we started. And you could just sense like that there was just this space, this vastness all around you. And it was incredibly it was just awesome, like awe-inspiring, magical feeling. And I loved that. I just, it's a special place and you can really feel that. I loved in the beginning as we were hiking down, coming around a switchback and not knowing what I would see next because it would always be something amazing. You know, you talk about trail magic, this place has it in abundance. Hiking out was every bit as hard as I imagined it would be. In fact, I became ill and it quickly became harder than I'd imagined it would be. So sometime a little bit before Indian Garden, so about with four-ish miles left to climb out, I started fighting with waves of nausea. It was bad enough. I was actually feeling a bit lightheaded and I was biting my lip around some precarious curves to keep from passing out. I was like, all right, if you're going to faint, you can faint, but it's not going to be here. <laughs> it's not going to be here. You, nobody can help you if you fall over the cliff here. So you're not passing out here. I had to like really like bite my lip hard and push forward like one step after another to get out of that, that kind of a situation. Um, it happened a handful of times like that, but it was all manageable until sometime after three mile rest house. So we had somewhere less than three miles to go. I was really not a lot. Well, like really, really, really not well. And I know three miles sounds like nothing, but it was still a lot of climbing to do. It was all gonna be up and we'd already been hiking all day. Our pace had slowed down to about a mile an hour. So I was looking at three more hours of hiking while extremely ill. And I was getting really nervous about how bad I was feeling. Um, every step I would take, I had to think about it. Like I felt like my body I felt like my legs were lead. It was really, I had to think to move them. And every time I would pick my leg up, sometimes it was more like a ramp going up. And sometimes it was more like big steps. And whenever there was a big step, like the top of my thigh hitting into the bottom of my stomach made me like retch. 
I know this sounds really appealing. Don't you want to do it now? <laughs> uh, I was nervous. Now remember, we had two docs, which I was so grateful for at this moment uh, because I just felt so bad. And there wasn't anything they did for me, but just knowing that they were there helped. It helped to like ease my nerves a bit. It was also somewhere at this time, and I don't know exactly where because everything was running together in these cold, long, dark hours. We happened upon a hiker in distress. There was a man and a woman. It was a husband and wife. They were sitting next to an emergency phone. There are a couple emergency phones throughout throughout the park. They were sitting up on this bench. Um, she, we had actually run into them at Phantom Ridge earlier. She had injured her ankle. So she had um, an ankle brace on. He, I've never, I was, I was actually kind of taken aback when I saw him. He was this really big man. And when I say big, I don't mean overweight. I mean, just giant, super tall, super muscular. He was shaking. I thought he was actually having a seizure when we came upon him. He was not. Um, his entire body was shaking uncontrollably. He was like hunched over in this weird ball. Um, his wife was telling us that he had said that he was cramping all over. He was freezing. Um, and so our friends who are doctors stayed with them. I was feeling so bad that we decided that some of the group and I would keep hiking on. I just couldn't stop because I knew it was going to take me so long to get out. I had to keep moving. So I kept moving. And actually, once I saw this man, I started getting worried. I'm like, oh my gosh, is that where I'm headed? Like, is how I'm feeling leading to whatever the heck is happening to him? Um, they stayed with him. It was very interesting when they eventually caught up to us. They, after you know examining him a bit and talking to them, decided that the best course of action was to use that emergency phone to call for help. And so the wife called and the answer they got was, we will send for help once you have been there two hours. Call us back in two hours if you still need us. And if you do, we will send emergency services. That stunned me <laughs> when I heard that. Um, and my guess is it's, and it's just that they have so much need for help that they can't just come out for anybody. They need to really make sure you need them. Well, my friends, because they're doctors, they were not about to leave him, nor were they about to wait in the canyon for two more hours. And so they set to work helping him. They they you know pulled stuff out of his pack, his rain gear. I don't know what it was because I had, like I said, I had marched along um, ahead of them. And they found stuff to warm him up with. They wrapped him in what they could and they began rubbing all of his muscles. So they rubbed his legs and his arms and they rubbed to get him warmer and got him up and moving. And he was walking just as slow as I was, except for his stride was like way longer than mine because he was giant. And so he, they joined our group and we were a pitiful little bunch trying to get out of there. <laughs> uh, and on we marched. Those last miles were so discouraging. I think even if I was feeling well, it would have been hard. Um, there were, like I said, there were six people in our group. One of them was a man and I could hear him. He was really quiet most of the day, but <laughs> during this part, I could hear him as we would come around to switch back, just muttering under his breath, just in like stunned annoyance because it's just switch back after switch back. And you think you're almost there. And then you come around a curve and you realize like, I'm nowhere near the top. And this happened over and over and over. So in the last hour, the doctor who was with me began checking my pulse and that made me nervous. I knew though she wouldn't say it, that she was worried for me, but we just kept going one painful, nauseating step after another over and over. And I played that mental game. Maybe you do this if you're a runner and you're just not very good yet. I'm just going to get there. I'm just going to get to that rock and then I'll take a break. I'm just going to go to that curve. 
I just have to walk to that curve and then I can stop for a second. And that's how I got myself out of there. I just had to keep little bit by little bit. It was such a mental hurdle at this moment to keep going. I knew I didn't have any choice. What else was I going to do? Spend the night in the canyon? Like there was nobody coming for me. I had to walk myself out of there. Now I neglected to mention that during all of these last miles, it was pitch black again. <laughs> it was pitch black and it felt far less magical than it had in the morning hiking in in the dark. It just felt like another hard layer to this. Although it was cool to be able to look either way up or way down and see other hikers headlamps there were these little pinpoints of light all up and down the canyon showing where all the other people are where all the other crazy people were <laughs> because I was like I can't believe there's so many of us still in here it was really neat to see that otherwise I could have done without the darkness at this point finally after 15 hours we made it to the top that was way longer than we had intended we obviously ran into a lot of trouble Three of our husbands were waiting for us with wild cheers and Gatorades and the van parked as close to the trailhead as they could possibly manage to get it. And the second we stepped off the trail, Doc McGowan shoved me to the ground and grabbed my backpack and threw it under my legs and elevated them up above my head in just a few minutes like that. And I felt so much better. The next morning we met at the South Rim so we could see with our own eyes instead of just some pictures what we had just hiked up because we'd only seen it via headlamp the night before. And she told me that the problem was that my blood pressure had dropped quite low. And she knew it the instant she had grabbed my hand a few miles from the top and I was really clammy. And then she took my pulse and she's like, that's when I knew it was your blood pressure and you were in trouble. Um, I don't know why it dropped so low altitude, hydration status, either of those, both of those combined with just the exhaustion of the day. But I was fine. It was, it was a long couple of, of hours out. Is there anything I would change? Yes, <laughs> there are a couple things I would change. Um, obviously, I wish I had had a little more time to train uninjured. I, um, I injured my ankle the last about a month before the hike, I injured my ankle. And so I did not get to do as much um, long hike training and as much of the um, stadiums as I had planned because my ankle was just in no shape to do it. I was really worried even once the pain subsided about re-injuring it, I could, it just felt weak. Uh, and so I did not get in all the training that I had intended and I felt that. I also wish that I had done more vert training, like maybe even just Stairmaster and going for a really long period of time. Cause like I said, there's not like, there's nothing like the elevation I needed to practice around here, but doing that, that would have, I think made a very big difference. I think my cardio conditioning needed to be better than it was. Um, my tr three of the ladies who were with us were marathon runners and they all fared better than I did. I think running more actually at all would, would have helped. So those were some of the big things as far as training. Um, I would have changed our start time. I think a 4 a.m. start time is a way better idea. Um, and funnily enough, we realized later that all of us were up. Like we had that excited nervousness going into the night and all of us were awake. We could have, we could have gotten up and left the house at three to head over. I wish we had even really started when we had set at five, we'd started, we started at 515. 
I regretted our later start as well as the slow pace that we started off with. There's not much we could have done about that. We had planned on doing three miles per hour on the way down and we were nowhere close to that. Um, one, because we were taking way too many pictures, it really was just incredibly beautiful on the way in, but that wasn't the, the big issue. The thing we really couldn't do anything about was that one of our team members had a bum knee, which he knew going into it. I just don't think he expected it to feel as hard as it did going down. He told me later in the day that after we started like every step, he was worried his knee was going to give out. So he just needed that slower pace. And we went really slow in the morning. I think we would have all felt much better if we'd been a couple hours ahead when we got to the end. So I did regret that slow pace. So I think keeping up a good pace in the beginning is important. We had planned on the whole thing taking 12 hours, maybe 13 max. And we ended up at a little over 15. Um, so yeah, an earlier hike would have meant less time hiking out in the dark. And I think we could have, we could have used that for sure. Any advice I have for you, if you're considering this, um, I would say one, think long and hard about this. It's actually not a hike that's advised by the park on their website. It says, don't do this. Do not do rim to rim in one day. Uh, you can come to the park and do all kinds of things. Obviously you can just stay up at the rim and look. You could hike in a mile or two or three and hike back out. You could um, come in and stay at the campsites and hike back out. You could do the rim to rim in multiple days. So come in one rim, hike somewhere, um, camp somewhere and hike back out. But the rim to rim is serious stuff. And I'm not saying I didn't take it seriously enough. I did. I don't think I thought it was going to be as hard as it was as far as, you know, getting sick like that. Um, we met a ranger when we were resting at Indian Garden and he was going on and on. He had a real chip on his shoulder, like really sour about the rim to rim hikers. He thought it was ridiculous um, and dangerous. <laughs> I did tell him partway through his rant. I'm like, hey, that's what we're doing. But we brought our own medical team because that's what he was really upset about, that the, um, the amount of medical emergencies that they are being asked to manage uh, is a lot with the rim to rim hikers these days. Uh, he said, particularly within those last three or four miles, which I totally get that. Uh, so my advice to you is if you're like, okay, I am going to do this, get in much better shape than you think you need to be, especially your cardio base, your experience with big climbs. You know, most mountains you hike up when you're fresh and then come down when you're tired. This is the exact opposite. You're coming up when you're exhausted. Like you've hiked for hours and hours and hours. So get into much better cardio shape than you think you might need to be. Not that I'm trying to discourage people, but I'm trying to discourage people. <laughs> so I don't want you to just do this and be like, I can do it. I want you to really be sure you can do it before you do it. So what's next? For me, we are going to, um, I really want to tackle some backpacking. One of my team that I went with, I really had, I just had the best crew going in. So we had two doctors and then one of our team members is such an outdoors woman. She is a scout. She was a Boy Scout leader for years and years and years. She's like a super scouter. She just has all the kind of cool outdoor skills that I want to have. Um, she's my outdoor guru. She's been with me, teaching me all these things for the past year or so. I want to become more adept at outdoor skills. So I bought a big backpack. We haven't used it yet because I got it for Christmas last year and I was so sick. I haven't used it yet. So I want to have her take me backpacking. I have a water filter thing, but we've never had to use it on all of our hikes this summer. I bought it. I was excited to learn how to use it. The water just never was 
we never had enough water. The one day I'm like, let's just use it even though we don't need it. We haven't needed it yet is my point. We always had enough water. But the one day I was like, can we just do it anyway? Because I want to learn how to filter water. There just wasn't enough water that day to do it, which was kind of actually nerve wracking. Had we actually needed water, there wouldn't have been any that day. But I really want to learn how to do that. Um, besides working on my outdoor skills, we really are going to pick another big adventure with this crew that I, that I did the Grand Canyon with. Uh, during the first hours of the hike, we talked a lot about what that might be. People were throwing out ideas. We were brainstorming. But by the time we got out, none of us were quite up to the conversation. I think it's kind of like having a baby. No one wants to think about getting pregnant again, you know, right after they've given birth and you're laying there on the delivery table, right? We need to let the memories of the painful bad parts fade a bit before we go on to choosing what our next adventure is going to be. But there will be the next one. So stay tuned for that. I hope you've enjoyed this story. I hope you have enjoyed learning about what might be possible for you and what to think about and plan about if this is something you want to do. The Grand Canyon is like no other place on earth. And I say, get yourself there if you haven't been. Thanks so much. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I hope you found it motivational, inspirational, educational, organizational. If you did find value in this episode today, it would mean a great deal to me if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this episode on. It really does help to get this podcast in front of other people. Thanks so much for being here. Mm-hmm.